The button has been pushed. Commencing podcast now. Here in the construction zone. Welcome to Pop Tech Jam, the independent audio magazine about consumer technology, pop culture, and Klingon controversies. Yes. I'm J.D. Beersdorfer. And I'm Pedro Rafael Rosado. On this week's show, we've got tech news a go-go and Star Trek continuity views. <laughs> I, knew, I bought the wrong boots. You I know? Didn't knew, I didn't know we were doing a go-go show. You know? You, 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 you got to get the higher heel there. I do. I definitely do. But uh, anyway, yeah, uh, we, we have much to talk about. Yeah, but uh, hold on a second. Before we do anything else, I'm very excited. Why are you excited? Very excited. First off, Shape of Water. Yes. Best Picture. Yes. Guillermo del Toro. One yes. of my favorite directors. Mm-hmm. I still say Hellboy is an underrated masterpiece, All right. in my opinion. I know Pan's Labyrinth is considered a classic, but Hellboy, just watch that movie. Yeah. It's a fantastic movie. I, to this day, regret the fact that he did not do the Hobbit movies. Really? Even you think though, it just would have been a completely different experience? I'm telling you, he pre- he was prepping for it, too, in the second Hellboy movie because he had the elves and he had the whole thing. It would have been so awesome. And then, for some reason, he bailed yeah, out of the it, uh, <sighs> but, but Doug he, Jones. Doug Jones, yes. The, his the muse. creature, yes. yes. Let me tell you, that guy is one of the most underrated actors in the world right now because that guy is such an amazing physical actor. You know, you never really get to see his face in any of the roles, even on Star Trek Discovery. You don't see his face. He's always under a pile of latex. He's always under a pile of latex, but he makes these characters so incredibly believable. Just uh, Abe Sapien, uh, the, 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 just a, the whole list. He played Pale Man in Pan's Labyrinth and all these other characters. He was in Buffy he as was one of the gentlemen. Absolutely. I mean, it's just amazing. I think he played the Silver Surfer, actually, in one of the horrible Fantastic Four movies. Oh, I believe he is a legitimate contortionist, too. Yes, like, he can do absolutely. things with his body that most absolutely. people can't do. But it's just, you know, it's about time the man gets his due because I personally argue that Shape of Water would not have been as effective if it was anyone else playing that role or if it was CGI for that matter. Yeah. So this guy has got to get his due. Let's, you know what, next movie he does, next movie he does, I'm going to push nonstop for an Oscar for Doug Jones. Really? No matter matter what he's wearing, no no matter matter what what he's wearing, it doesn't matter. I'm going for an Oscar. Just give him an Oscar for being Doug Jones. Yes. Yes. The official 2019 Doug Jones Oscar. Right? I, I think, you know, they, they have special ones. I, I think, think he should just should. get one for himself. He's just an amazing actor. I mean, in every single role, doesn't matter how small, how weird, the way he moves his body, the way he moves his hands. Even in Star Trek, you watch Star Trek, the way he gallops a little bit in the character's role. Yeah. It's just amazing. It's, you know, the guy is one of the best actors on the planet right now. Mm-hmm. Total professional. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. All right. So were you pleased with the rest of the uh, Oscars? Because as you know, we were saying Dunkirk should win all Dunkirk. the sound Oscars last summer. Yes. And hello, Dunkirk won uh, Best Sound Mixing, Best Sound Editing. I think it got Best Editing, too. If they gave it? it to anybody else, it would have been a crime. Yeah. Period. I mean, the, the soundtrack for Dunkirk. And we, we raved about this, I believe, last yes, August yep. uh, after we had seen the movie and, yep. and been in the thrall of that uh, audio mix. That so. movie would not have been anything without that sound design. And the sound design for the entire movie was amazing. Yes. Absolutely amazing. So, yes, especially for a, a historical movie where you know what's going to happen, yeah, exactly. but it still has you on the edge of your seat exactly, with the knuckles white. Exactly right. We compared it, I think I compared it to uh, Saving Private Ryan on this very show, but I think 
the steps, they, they would be above and beyond in this, especially for the sound designs. So. Yeah, yeah, very excellent stuff. So uh, so the Oscars are over, so I guess we have a whole other year to have to hear about Oscar stuff. Yeah, but you know what? The Oscars aren't such a big deal for me anymore. I used to make it a point to watch all the nominated best picture, you know. Well, I, now I didn't nine or ten of them. You really yeah, have to go out like, there. you know, I don't think I watched – Shape of Water was probably the only one I watched. Yeah, it's – well, it can be a chore and the ceremony itself – with the advent of YouTube, is like I can sit through three and a half hours mm-hmm. of maybe a couple of good comedy bits, maybe a couple of good speeches, right. and then a lot of horrible filler commercials, really bad host jokes. Yeah. Or I can watch the highlights on YouTube, like pretty much half an hour after it's over. So or just guess go, which one I did. Yeah. Or actually, just go on the web and look for the winners and losers list. Yeah. That's what I did basically. Yeah, because it, it is sort of. T- I mean, at least with the Super Bowl stuff is happening, yes. and yeah. and the commercials are usually better. Uh, <laughs> Sort of self-promotional thing for ABC Come shows. Come on, you know with the Super Bowl, the game is always the worst thing about the whole yeah. spectacle. Yeah. The game is like a, a defensive Donnie Brook, and it's like, ah, oh, please, no. Although this year was good. You yeah, know, this the, year the was good. The fact that Philadelphia beat the Patriots was... Uh, yeah, and they torched the city, but, you know, that's yeah, a different Yeah, well, you know, yeah. you got to do something. It there. is Philly, so. Yeah. Sorry, Philly. Yeah, no, we, we, we love you, Philly. Yes, we do. Go cheese sticks. Yes. Until we do some news. Yes, news. Now, Twitter has announced a new interest in health, namely the collective health, openness, and civility of public conversation around the world, which, let's face it, has been the social equivalent of a swimming pool filled with toxic waste for the past two years. Not oh, yeah. all, you know, you know, Twitter handles them do that. Uh, yes, they did. Yes, they yes. did. Yes. Now, uh, to help improve things, the bird-themed microblogging service said it's going to hold itself accountable towards its progress here and attempt to measure its contribution to the overall health of the public conversation. Really now? So I don't know massive flame wars and dragging if we have a lot of that is Twitter score going to go down because yeah, they got some trolls out of the box uh-huh. I, I don't know um, and, and that does bring the question how do you measure such a thing and according to a blog post on the company's site uh, they say Twitter's health will be built and measured by how we help encourage more healthy debate conversations and critical thinking conversely abuse spam and manipulation will detract from it we are looking to partner with outside experts to help us identify how we measure the health of Twitter, keep us accountable to share our progress with the world, and establish a way forward for the long term, end quote. So they're looking for psychiatric help here, but you basically. But you know what What this tells me? This is a complete response to the Parkland uh, mm-hmm. kids yeah. getting horrifically trolled mm-hmm. on Twitter. Unfortunately, not a surprise to anyone who's ever been Yes, yeah, been active. on Twitter for longer than five right. minutes. Yeah, exactly. Also, the fact that there is a lot of pushback from users and big users like celebrities, which is their bread and butter for a lot of these social platforms, saying how stupid Twitter has become, how useless to you know how much better it is to be off it. Yes, for you, your own like psyche. Your peace of mind. And yeah. so, what do you think about Twitter? What What do you think their motivation really is behind this mental health push? Well, it's a. I mean, it's a publicly traded company. It has investors. It's got stockholders that it has to uh, report to, and it just turned a profit. So it needs to make some money. Yeah, it needs to make more money. So and I guess it, if you have a lot know? of people bailing off the platform because of said exactly. toxic wasteland. Uh, exactly right. I've said it a thousand times. If I really want to ruin my day. Or I don't feel like I've got enough outrage or just impotent rage, period. I go on Twitter and I I get hooked right up. And the fuse is lit. Oh, the fuse is instantly lit. And that's that's a complete direct opposite to Facebook. They're making an effort now consciously to say, oh, no, we're going to stop with the news. We're just going to make it, you know, about family and friends again. 
because they see the handwriting on the wall too. Yeah. At some point, people are just going to say enough's enough. And what is the point of going on Twitter? I mean, what is the yeah, point? Yeah, it's going to become the next MySpace. Yeah, uh, exactly. Yeah, I think I could see because I noticed like some big brands are maybe starting to think like, yeah. do we really want to have absolutely be, have our name associated with this thing that has become known for flaming outrage and harassing teenagers and bots from other countries yeah. and maybe we just find some other way to use the socials to get our product news out there because it's difficult to deal with that wave of outrage too once it gets rolling yeah it's once like the ratio a, happens oh, you're like, oh man yeah. it's crazy. Yeah. So, uh, so Twitter is looking for experts in the field, though, to submit proposals to the company on how it can better measure its health. Yeah. Applications for anyone out there uh, are due uh, in April on Friday the 13th. Oh, really? I'm not making that up. Nice. So we'll see if that helps. Um, now, ride-sharing company Uber is also making an effort toward better living, although in Uber's case, it's more about getting people to the doctor. Hmm. The company just announced Uber Health, its new partnership with healthcare organizations to provide reliable transportation to medical appointments. Oh, okay. So, so this sounds kind of noble yeah, on the surface. Cool. Uh, healthcare coordinators can schedule rides for their patients, caregivers, and staff through a dashboard-like app, which means the patients themselves do not have to have a smartphone uh, or the Uber app uh, mm. installed, which I I think for people who maybe skew a little older, right. don't have the phone, don't really use Uber, having someone do it for you and just say your car will be here. It's, it's like it's car service, basically. So they don't have to share the ride with a couple of millennials going to a rave? Um, that- I guess it depends on the level of Uber that they there get. You go. But, I got you. Uh, I got you. But they are um, making an effort here to partner with healthcare companies. Doesn't Uber bring like McDonald's now to you if you want? I believe you can. Yes, <laughs> I can, you can, you know, on your way to the doctor, you can stop <laughs> and get a couple quarter pounders. A grand Big Mac? Yes. Mm. Yeah. Now, uh, the Slack office communications and chat tool will be seeing increased competition from some of the big players. Ooh. Google just launched Hangouts Chat, which supports instant messaging across devices, including group conversations. Hangouts Chat also allows users to integrate widgets to access data from other corporate software in the chat window. So they're going after Slack here because Slack has those little apps and things you can use. Yeah. Meanwhile, Microsoft's horse in this race, uh, a similar corporate chat app called Teams that works with Office 365, just got guest accounts and freemium pricing, which may lure some more people over to the platform, but I'm thinking it's mainly just going to be Office 365 people. Mm -hmm. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, You know what's going to happen with the uh, Google app, right? It will uh, go away. Yeah, it'll go away in a year. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's enough of that. Yeah, that's enough of that. Yeah, it's interesting to see all of this stuff. Remember we had IRC like in the late 80s and mm-hmm. 90s and then instant messaging and then group messaging yeah, and now everything's yeah. just like corporate communication tools. Like, yeah, like, yeah it's, exactly. it's all – it's just – It's rebranding. It's repacking. It's different skins on the top of yeah, the same concept. Pretty much. So, so that's there. Now in gaming news, the entertainment software rating board recently announced that all physical games that you buy in boxes at a store will have a label on the front uh, notifying customers that the software contains in-game purchases – This label will be applied to all games that include any additional content that has to be bought, including bonus level skins, surprise items like item packs, loot boxes, and mystery awards. Mm -hmm. You know, some games kind of bury those in along the way. You have no idea how much I hate this stuff. This is why I'm not gaming much anymore. Yeah, I guess music, virtual coins, and other forms of in-game currency, subscriptions, season passes, and upgrades. All of this stuff is going to be noted with a label on the front because you think, oh, you're just buying this game and mm-hmm. I pay once and I get the game. Despise this. Yes. Despise and and the, the entertainment software rating boards realize, oh, they're actually drilling people for a lot of money. Oh, and they yeah. think, yes, as, as you attest to. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
So, so they're going to start uh, slapping labels on that. The board's move comes as multiple state legislatures have begun looking into regulation of the randomized in-game purchases. So I guess it's going to be like the loot box rule or something. Yeah, so, like so they're looking at that. So, so this could help your, your annoyance with the industry. No, I really, I really despise this. It's such a money grab. It's unbelievable. Mm-hmm. It's just horrible. It makes me not want to play. I don't let my kids play much anymore. Yeah. Because I have to worry about like, oh, they, you, you got to buy uh, – dad, can you buy me this pack of $99 worth of cars, please? I mean, are you kidding me? $99? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's That's not just, even nickel and diamond. No, no. It's like five and ten. And yes, indeed. I, it's just sickening to me. Really, really despise it. And honestly, the gaming industry should be sincerely worried about this because they're shooting themselves in the foot. Yeah. I mean, if if you're, you're just going to price away your audience. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm sorry, but that's ridiculous. Yes. No, well, hopefully this uh, this will work for you. Let's hope. Yes. Now, last year, Amazon was in the news with its Amazon Key package delivery system. Remember yes. we made fun yeah. of that last year? Uh-huh. Uh, which allowed couriers to leave packages inside people's homes, and uh, those people could monitor the delivery with cameras and smartphone apps. Just the other week, Amazon bought a smart doorbell company called Ring. Now, shall we set the timer on the arrival of a new line of internet-connected smart doorbells and package entry services called Amazon Key Ring? Mm. I don't think we have to wait that long. I don't think so. But they're saying, well, this this actually ties in with Amazon's whole thing just to get into your house at all costs and smart doorbells with just, systems. Uh, yeah, it's just so creepy. And I just don't see how this works in New York where everyone's like— It doesn't. Like, it won't. It's you can gonna, slide it under the door. We're not it's opening. It's not going to—I mean, please, I get my stuff just left in front of my door. I if mean, you're lucky. If I'm lucky, yes. You know what? We don't have too many problems with porch uh, pirates. So. Really? Yeah. That's good. What do we call them in New York? If they're, not, if they're porch pirates in the in the suburbs, what would they be in New York? Well, I guess it depends if you have like a stoop building or you got Just a-holes. Get... They're just yeah. a-holes. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. all right. So, so those guys. Yeah. I'm glad they're leaving your stuff alone. <laughs> yes, they're leaving my stuff alone. Yes. Now, YouTube is getting a few new features, uh, as announced uh, recently on the company blog. Uh, replays of live chat in mm. streamed events is happening. Wow. And uh, they're also doing automatic closed captioning on live streamed videos. Now, remember, several years ago, they introduced automatic captioning, which tried right, just to transcribe. Right, and sometimes right. it was accurate, sometimes it wasn't. <clears throat> but yeah. they were putting closed cap- captioning on a lot of their videos, I think up to a billion now, uh, for people who have hearing impairments or deafness. And they were really kind of out front in doing this. And so now they are doing that just not on cam videos but on live streams. So if you're watching something, maybe you can actually see what's going on as it's happening. Yeah, well, uh, I doubt it's going to be as accurate as the uh, as the ones on regular TV. So, yeah. Because those are pretty interesting. Yeah. This, sometimes you're like, really? <laughs> Although I like it on C-SPAN too where they do everything yeah, 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 yeah. on there. Yeah. But, but anyway, that, that's what uh, YouTube's doing. Um, also now arriving, the Google Clips camera. We made fun of that also on the show oh, yeah. a few years ago. We, we make fun of a lot of stuff, don't yeah, we? Yeah, well, we're skeptical. Yes, we are. Um, but this is the clip-on camera that automatically takes pictures by itself according to an <laughs> algorithm. Yeah. It's $250, and people have tested it. And it's like, well, it kind of does stuff, and I don't have to think about taking photos, but kind of creepy on the privacy. Yeah, yeah, just a little bit. And it's expensive, too, 250 yeah. bucks. Yeah. I guess that's an expensive algorithm. but <laughs> You pay for each line of code. You pay for there. each line of code. That's right. I guess Mobile World Congress uh, wrapped up last week yeah, or last so. Week, yeah. yeah, and uh, as expected, Samsung's Galaxy S9 line was announced for real at the show. We will have a link to the full set of specs for people who are considering buying this. Right. But the S9 and the S9 Plus feature new low-light optimized dual aperture cameras, slow-motion video, mm. and uh, AKG-branded stereo speakers. The new models resemble the Galaxy S8 line, except there's one major difference here. 
The fingerprint sensor is now properly in the center back of the phone, just right below the camera, where okay. I guess people are thinking that, well, this is where it should go. If it's not going to be on the front, it should be here. Uh, the S9 and the S9 Plus cost uh, $719 and $839, or if we round up, you know, $720 and $840 mm. for uh, the, the models, the base models. But they had a ton of other specs, too, which I, I won't They sound like go really good phones. Better not scan my face. Yeah. I'm not about the whole face scanning thing. Yes. Um, we'll talk about 5G because we, we talked 5G, about yes. 5G a little bit last week. Yes, um, AT&T and Verizon have made their 5G network plans known, and now Sprint and T-Mobile are piping up with announcements. Uh, they also mentioned these at Mobile World Congress. Okay. T-Mobile said it plans to build out 5G in 30 cities this year. Very ambitious. Um, New York? Yes, actually. Oh, uh, yes. It only revealed four of those 30, and New York was one of them. Nice. Uh, they're also throwing Los Angeles, Dallas, and Las Vegas Ooh, in there. Once they're not they're scared off by our uh, infrastructure. Well, you know, T-Mobile's always been yeah. a little edgy and, yeah, you know, kind are. of, you know, it's that hot pink, you know. That's right. <laughs> Right. Yeah, it's, it's just hey, ready. Pink is my last name, so I can't be mad. Yeah, I can't so, be mad. Yeah, no, it, it is a, a very uh, yeah. heavy action color. Yes, indeed. So uh, that's T-Mobile's plan. Sprint, uh, on the other hand, is starting with six cities, Atlanta, Chicago, Dallas, Houston, Los Angeles, and Washington, D.C. All very exciting, but remember, we still don't have the 5G phones to use it. Right. But there's uh, other uh, things going on with these 5G networks that they are still building out. Mm. Apparently, they need all kinds of new hardware as well, and it's different from the gear used by previous cellular networks. Um, I guess right now we're used to the big cell towers right. or clumps of cell panels on uh, building on roofs buildings, right. that you can see from the street and say, oh, you know, the aliens uh, are yeah. talking to them. They're uh, kind of far apart, but there's about 300,000 of these sort of cell towers in use the 5G networks will get their signals from smaller cellular equipment placed an average of 500 feet apart in neighborhoods and business districts. Hmm. And as one might expect, a lot of the signal equipment will be secured high up on streetlights or utility poles just to, to get the signal up there. Right. But there's also ground-based components, which has been described as boxes the size of refrigerators. What? Yeah, I don't know if this is like how Fios, like you had to have that, that yeah, box yeah, yeah, yeah. there. Or what, but the prospect of bulky equipment cluttering up sidewalks and utility poles has some local government officials kind of wanting to have a say on where this stuff's going to go and what it's going to look like, because hello, uh, local municipality. Yeah. So so they're concerned about that, but as the New York Times reports, uh, this could set up a battle between town and city officials and telecom companies anxious to roll out the new network as soon as possible to get people on it and charge them for it. Mm -hmm. AT&T and Verizon Communications and all the other telcos have said that their equipment will be safe and unobtrusive. And it's needed to support future applications like driverless cars. So they're really anxious to get going. And they say they have to kind of get them out soon because the 5G signals uh, do not travel as far as the radio frequencies we currently use. So mm -hmm. they really need to kind of get them close together and get them out. But, this really uh, does not sound good. Yeah. This is not going to end so well. So if you've got these these things all over, not to advance the cause over local restrictions and, and people who say, no, you can't put that there. That's like a landmark building or whatever. Yeah, yeah. The telecom lobbyists have helped convince 13 states to pass bills that limit local control and several other <laughs> states are considering similar bills. So this is setting up Big business that wants to do a major network thing wow. with towns who's like, well, yeah, we want it, but we don't want giant refrigerators all up and down Main Street, mm -hmm. you know, supporting the the things up in the the poles. Yeah, yeah, this is going to get ugly. I yeah. can definitely see this getting ugly. So unless they've got ways to camouflage, you know, like Men in Black, like those, <laughs> yeah. you know, they always have those nitrogen things yeah. that were actually little portals. Yeah. Like, you know, how how are they going to figure out how uh, to hide this these? This is going to be fun. Yeah, so, so things you have to think about when you are building a new uh, futuristic network. Yes. 
Now, Apple is said to be working on some high-end, over-the-ear, noise-canceling headphones that could take a swipe at the Bose Quiet Comfort models and those other fancy cans that are mm-hmm. like 300 bucks a, a pop. Yeah. But as Bloomberg reports, the potential product has faced some design challenges. Apple is not, you know, as, as they always do, well, not admitting not. that they're doing anything. But leaks from inside say that they're really working on some really nice headphones, could also maybe take a bite out of the Beats line. Mm, uh, which, their own which is, line? Yeah, their own line. Yeah. So maybe some some cannibal action there. That's a little weird. I don't know if they're just trying to figure out how much glue they can put <laughs> on the inside. Uh, <laughs> but, oh, uh, they want to make sure the markup is is exceptionally high. So. Yeah, so I'm, I'm guessing this is going to be noise canceling with the lightning tip. Going into your yeah, uh, current phones, still not going to buy it. I don't care. Yeah, well, you, you have never had faith in Apple as an nope. audio. Absolutely not. Uh, yeah, absolutely so. not. And I still don't. Yeah, I don't care how you know tank like their speakers are. Mm-hmm. No, just not going to go for it. No. Nope. All right. Well, we'll see. Uh, th- th- there was not any particular timeline for these uh, over-the-year things coming out, but they were thinking, well, maybe by the end of the year, which everyone says, oh, by the end of the year, because they want to do holiday sales. But, but why would they can't? Why would they do that to their own Beats line? It makes no business sense to. Yeah, me. unless it's some level of Beats, maybe you know, if, if they take, you know, if it's sort of like a co-brand with Beats or some I kind of hybrid. So. I don't know. Hey, well, you know, yeah. more power to them. Yeah. Good luck to you, Apple. Good luck with that. Here's yeah. some glue. Yeah, yes. Yeah. Now, the Federal Trade Commission and PayPal have reached a legal settlement over the issue uh, with PayPal's Venmo peer-to-peer payment app. Mm. The dispute arose when customers were told that money credited to their Venmo balances uh, could be transferred to external bank accounts. But they weren't adequately disclosing that the transactions were still subject to review and the funds could be frozen or removed. So the FTC alleges that many consumers said they experienced financial hardships, such as being unable to pay their rent or other bills, because they could not transfer money as promised by Venmo because they would mm. do it and they think it was done. But if the bank has a problem with it, then it yep. doesn't go into your account and boom, there. you know, you're in overdraft. So, wow. so they, they were thinking that Venmo was not really properly explaining this whole review process to them. So other uh, customers who use Venmo to receive payment for event tickets or other valuable items relied on the notifications that the money had been credited to the Venmo accounts uh, to deliver the items to the purchaser. And they also incurred financial loss when Venmo removed the funds because of whatever the bank was uh, having a problem with. Right, so, right. yes, so so Venmo and PayPal and the FTC have all kind of come together to say, well, you know, you were wrong there and you have to pay up and, mm-hmm. and fix it. So. I, I don't use Venmo, so no, I, I don't know how widespread this problem was. But, but it obviously affected some people. Yeah, and we, we are moving to a cashless society, so yes, I we think are. it affected a, a segment of the population there. Bitcoin for everyone. Yes, you know, Dogecoin. <laughs> I miss that. Yes, and finally, and finally, two items of note concerning Alexa, the preferred virtual assistant in Casa Kaiser. Oh, yes. Uh, for one, Amazon is holding a contest for developers to bring conversational skills to Alexa instead of just the call and response kind of one-way chat of today. Mm-hmm. Uh, in an effort to keep its assistant out in front of rivals, Amazon wants Alexa to be more social. Last year, the company challenged 15 teams of computer science graduates to build a social bot that can converse coherently and engagingly with humans on popular topics for 20 whole minutes. Wow. That would be a lot of dad jokes between your kid and the... <laughs> The, the robot there. <laughs> Star Wars jokes. He's yeah. graduated to Star Wars jokes. Now. I see. Now, according to Wired, if any team succeeds, its members will snare academic glory and, you know, probably jobs with Amazon. And uh, a $1 million purse that's being called the Alexa Prize. Really? The Alexa Prize. Yes. Sounds, so, so the, like yes, the, the esteemed Alexa Prize uh, will be awarded soon, I guess. Nice. 
And uh, in other Alexa news, uh, podcasting companies are starting to notice Alexa's potential as a content delivery system. Hello! As the Wall Street Journal reports, Gimlet Media recently announced the debut of its first show for Amazon Alexa. It's a move that's said to be part of a campaign to expand Gimlet's offerings beyond podcasts and you know more into multi-platform audio. Mm-hmm. The show is called Chompers, and it's part of an Alexa skill that encourages children to brush their teeth with trivia questions, riddles, and stories. The show is sponsored by Oral-B and Crest Kids, natural sponsors, I guess. And we'll feature new episodes twice a day starting in, uh, I guess, this month. Cool. So um, uh, the company plans to launch future seasons and a date to be determined. This is only the beginning, I think. Do you listen to Chompers at home? No, because that would mean putting an Alexa in the bathroom, and that's not really a good idea. Yeah, I guess the, yeah, the whole water... Uh, not sure they thought this one through. Yeah, maybe the waterproof Alexa will, will be a kind. I, I try to discourage my kids from brushing their teeth anywhere other than the bathroom. Yeah, so you don't want yeah. them walking around, yeah. Yeah, a show about brushing your teeth Yeah, on an electronic device. Yeah, well, maybe they're thinking, you know, sit in the parlor next to the Alexa and hear chompers, and then you're so excited to go brush your teeth that you run up and do it. But yeah, it seems like you maybe want to have this more interactive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, well, you know, good luck to them. Yeah, so so, so, so that's it for the news. Um, for anyone who wants to know more about all the things we talked about in this uh, section of the show, you can find it at poptechjam.com. Up next, we're going to address some Klingon matters. Yes. All right, so you you got some listener mail uh, yes, the other week from um, a listener Tom. Yes, won't, I won't mention his last name, but he actually DM'd me. He slid into my DMs, Ooh. as they say, uh, but not in that way. He yes. basically was uh, concerned about something that we have talked about offline about the look of the uh, Klingons mm-hmm. on Star Trek Discovery, which you know we mentioned Doug Jones earlier in the show, but. It's true. They look uh, decidedly different. And I personally am not sure how I feel about that. Yeah. But you came across an entire, apparently, uh, a kerfuffle. Oh, yeah. The, 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 the look of the Klingons, are, there's the sort of Klingon forehead problem, which right. there's there's a site done by a German engineer, Esatris Sianta, who just has gone deep into this. I oh, looked yeah. at the Klingons from the original show. Mm-hmm. Star Trek The Motion Picture, where they got noticeably different, the sort of run of The Next Generation, Deep Space Nine, all of those, and then Discovery. Right. And it's sort of trying to map, you know, what's happening with the Klingon foreheads and just the overall. But but beyond the foreheads, there has just been a complete revamping of the way the Klingons look in Star Trek Discovery. And a lot of people are like, you know, this has some racial overtones, undertones, just racial stuff right here, the way they're portrayed. Hmm. They are, uh, you've also got actors who are playing sort of, and we don't want to spoil Discovery, but right. the, the Klingons are, appear more primitive than they, they did in, that, in previous versions. That I noticed. I noticed they're more guttural, they're more primitive, they're more uh, impulsive even. You yeah, know? and very religious. Yeah, all, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. You know, with, with the Kalos and there all that. There seems to be a, 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 a geopolitical statement being made yes. here. Shall we say? Yes. And if we look back to the Klingons on Star Trek, the original series in the 60s, clearly Cold War stand-ins. They were the Russians. Yes, indeed. They didn't have the forehead ridges. They just looked like beatniks with tans and goatees. Yeah, they looked humanoid. They were humanoid. Yeah. And and they even retconned a excuse for that, I believe, in Mm -hmm. the Next Generation Deep Space Nine era where they talked about how there was this virus that made their foreheads flat and made them look like humans. And weren't the triples involved? There was some – Yeah, yeah. There was some – yeah. yeah, It was was very kind of playful uh, in a way. And then – 
when they had done uh, Star Trek The Motion Picture in the 70s is when you first saw, like, the thing with the ridges and, mm-hmm. you know, they had these sort of, like, samurai beards and mustache and the right. long hair right. and the very kind of battle-ready, you know, half-Viking, half-samurai. Yeah, more militaristic, had. yeah. And so that the, the motion picture sort of set them on that. And then by the time you get to the next generation, Deep Space Nine, the Klingons have actually sort of melded into alliance uh, in some degrees with the mm-hmm. Federation. There was mm-hmm. still some tension there. But Worf uh, right. was a character. Worf, absolutely. Or his battle sash uh, had the, the traditional ridges on there. And, with short hair. Yeah, but, but really fleshed out the Klingons as people. And those who watch Star Trek continuity say, well, look, they, they've sort of morphed before. Like the ones that were the, the Russian stand-ins for the Cold War, you actually see, oh, they were once enemies and then eventually we get global politics going and, and we form alliances and we're friends. You know, maybe that's not happening so much anymore these days. Right. But you could see that sort of progression. And so to have it go that way and then to land on Discovery, which is set 10 years before the original series. And yeah – they had to retcon the original series because they had the money for makeup and, of and that. And so now you've got these very – they're sort of bald and the actors are wearing probably 10 pounds of prosthetics and look very rubbery and they've got you – know, like, Yeah, they look like they look like monsters basically. Yeah. They, I mean legitimately they look like, uh, you know, a an aliens type. Yeah, yeah know, and the, the traditional ridges are not really there. No, they, they've not. got protrusions but – a lot of what we think of the traditional Klingons, these guys don't have. They speak in Klingon constantly. It's still a guttural language. Right. They have to subtitle them in all scenes where there's no humans in it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And they're just like really, really – and, they, you know, there's just really savage too. Like they talk about eating a, a right. dead character at one right. point. So people are, well, how can you reconcile? Because this is only 10 years before That's the problem the Cold War. It's like thing. why are they so – Savage and different and primitive. Right. If I understand correctly, Discovery is in the canon. It's, yeah. It's yeah, it's current. not that alternate timeline. No, it's not the alternate timeline from the movies, which they've been very clear about. So how do you explain that? The look is just so radically different that you cannot even foresee how are they going to become yeah. part of the Federation at some point. Well, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm assuming they're going to figure it out some way. Yeah, well, they've got another season. Uh, I guess they got renewed. And, sure and Alex Kurtzman, one of the, the creators of Discovery, has addressed it, I think, at Comic-Con. Oh, uh, he has. I did not know that. Yeah, and because people were like, yo, what's up with the Klingons? Because right. this is something that, that when you do a panel and it's uh, for Star Trek fans who know that continuity oh, yeah. backwards and forwards and yeah. so deep and like, why are the Klingons like this? And I think he basically said this was in New York Comic-Con last fall that well, we we wanted to show the Klingons as they've developed too, like we've seen the Federation sort of develop over the years. We wanted to kind of take them back so you can see why they are the way they are, why they hate the Federation. They were trying to, I guess, he said they were trying to humanize them and show them that even in their primitive form, these were their motivations for being what they are and how they eventually, you know, came to be friends. But is that we just didn't want them to be stock villains, and so we were trying to show their society, their religion, what they're worried about, mm-hmm. you know, the, the houses and all that. Yeah, I'm I not don't sure they if, achieved that. I'm yeah, not I don't, sure they yeah, got to that. Yeah, maybe that was the intention. Yeah. It maybe didn't close the loop. There's also been other fan theories, and I don't know if they've been discounted or not, that the Klingons that we see on Discovery are sort of a lost race of primitive ones who eventually died out, and the more mm, modern Klingons that I'm we not, see are the ones that yeah. survived. I, I, If anything, the fact that they emphasize so much during the entire season, and I, this might be a spoiler for some folks, but that the main Klingon through the whole series, through the whole season, was a, a mutant, mm-hmm. basically. 
because of his skin color and all that stuff. Yeah. Maybe that's how they're going to give themselves an out. That, yeah. You know, that apparently this whole, all of them were mutation. I don't know. But yeah. I'm not sure how I feel about the look. It just yeah. doesn't sit well with me having gone through all the iterations already. Yeah. Okay. I can deal with the, you know, the ridges and all that stuff. I can deal with the new militaristic the more militaristic look and the more savage look, but this just goes into monster territory. Yeah, and then they really like the technology even went back. Yes, you know, they didn't, yeah, yeah, they had cloaking and stuff, but like you just sort of see the the interiors of the ships and the hand to hand. It just looks sort of like a temple on the inside, make it to the point. But yeah, now it I was don't, not particularly sophisticated looking. Yeah, and absolutely not. And each, they they all just seem so dumb. You know, they're all like doofuses yeah. basically. It's like oh religion, uh, ugh. They're yeah. all ugh. I mean, I, I'm 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 a little unsettled by the whole thing. I don't see it, to be perfectly blunt, and I'm very sensitive to this. But I don't see it as a racial thing or mm-hmm. as a as yeah. I don't a, think it was intentionally yeah, racial. I think not. a lot of people absolutely. kind of saw the first look. Yeah. And yeah, these guys are under five to ten pounds of latex and rubber, yeah. and they're trying to act through this. And some of the costume design. You know, mm-hmm. may lead you one way or the other, right. but like the the one Klingon who got ostracized because he was a different color. And oh, the that's others. the one. Yeah, that that's um, the mutation that I was talking about. But and I think overall, the in the first season of Discovery, the Klingons probably were the weakest part. Um, even though they were the big bad, but agreed. You know, some of the plot twists on the show were actually quite good, mm-hmm. and it was nice to see a. The main character was not a dashing captain. Right. It was seen through the focus of sort of a, a first officer who had been demoted. Mm-hmm. And just kind of seeing the ship from that perspective was new. It wasn't, you know, up top. It was kind of like, well, now we're here with the gen pop and this is what's actually going on. And they had to deal with some new technology to power starships and different kinds of relationships on the show. And yeah. it, it was great in that regard. I think this was the first season of the show, and maybe they shifted all of their writing focus to the relationships of the Federation people, and the Klingons were perhaps a rough sketch. Maybe we're going to get back to them. I'd like to see more of that fleshed out. Like, mm-hmm. why did they, you know, h- how is the presentation of these different from... Because right. they even had, even the Enterprise show, I think, what was that, the fifth or sixth? TV mm-hmm. sequel, mm-hmm. which was set 100 years before the right. the, the series, uh, the original series. And had, they referenced it often yeah. in Discovery. Yeah. So, so so there are gaps here. People who love Star Trek continuity or I think are still grappling with it. People who just want to know what the Klingon, you know, please give us consistent Klingons mm-hmm. and make their history be as well mapped and, and articulate as you have for the Federation people. Well, they're going to have to dip into that 100 year. They gave themselves that 100 year gap. Yeah. So they're going to have to come up with some reasoning yeah. that's going to satisfy some lo- logical, yeah. in, in in Star Trek logic, that is, yeah. some Star Trek logical reason why they've done this to the Klingons. Because right now, eh, it's yeah. not Yeah, you know, well part of me is like, they're just going to say it's a lost tribe and go with that. I hope they don't do that because they just mentioned all the, all 23 other houses, though. Yeah. So, you know. Yeah, and have we seen all the 23, though? Most of them, I yeah. believe, because they had the several councils on the uh, yeah. in the episodes. But Maybe there's some big radiation thing and they all got super smart mm, and get the ridges. And... Who knows? Let's hope. I got my fingers crossed. Yeah, but uh, but we did want to, uh, listener Tom did have an excellent question. And yes, we he did. did want to sort of flush this for people who, who watch the show and maybe didn't quite get what was going on with the Klingons and then you know or what? felt unsettled there's, by it. There's folks listening to this saying, what? Yeah, so like what? People get over it. Yes. The world moves on. But hello, this is Star Trek. True. Okay? This is Star Trek. Yes. There are rules. Yes. Okay? Yeah, and it's a fundamental part of world building too with every yeah. imaginary franchise from Harry Potter to Star Trek to Star Wars. Absolutely. 
you create a world, and if you violate one of those rules, your world kind of collapses. Yep, and you pay for it online. You do. Fans will catch every single little thing. Even case in point, Harry Potter, we, we mentioned a minute ago, there is a whole wiki of just little mistakes and flubs in the Harry Potter books continuity going off that fans have diligently put on. But but they will even bring it to her attention at some point. J.K. Rowling, the author, I believe it was in the Goblet of Fire back in 2000 when that book first came out. She had written something about, uh, I think it's called the Wand Order problem, but it had to do with the order that Harry Potter's parents had been killed. She had, had implied it was one way, and when she got to the text, she said the opposite. The fans were like, hey, what's going on? And I think uh, she got uh, enough letters from fans uh, who pointed this out that they were like, oh, yeah, you're right, you're right. And she blamed the sleep deprivation and late-night writer's fatigue, and they fixed it in a reprint because those fans knew that world so well. They knew exactly how it should be, and they were looking at every single little word in this thing and even got beyond the author. And the fans were like, no, no, you, you did that wrong. And to her you know, graciousness, she said, you're right, and she fixed it. But, but the people need these worlds to be consistent. This I mean, true. we all need our worlds to be consistent. I think so. And it's important. You know what? Let's be blunt. For a lot of people, this is their world. Yes. <laughs> you know, so you can't disrespect their world. Yes. Do not mess up the happy place. Don't mess up the happy place. That's that's good advice. We should end the show on that. Yes. Don't mess up our happy place. Yes. And if you'd like links to some of the stories about uh, Star Trek continuity, you can find them at poptechjam.com. Which is our happy place. It is. It is our happy place. We gotta thank the bros. We do. Thank you, bros. Thank you, bros. Buildbybros.com. Build something with the bros. If you think it, they will build it. And thank you, listeners, Tom and all of you out yes, there. Yes, Thank for, you. Uh, for listening in and uh, providing feedback and just being there. Yeah, and if there's anything else you guys want us to talk about, you know, anything geek-related, we're into it, folks. Just yes. send us some topics. We can gas on like a refinery. Yes, we can. Y'all know how to reach us. Uh, do we have email addresses? Yes, we do. We yes. have email addresses. Yes. PR at If you want to email us. Yes, I'm JDB at poptechjam.com. You and can see us on Twitter, the Facebook, yes, all know, the socials. Y'all can reach us. Just reach us. Yes. So until next time, when we're back with more, I'm JD Beersdorfer. And I'm Pedro Rafael Rosado. Watch some Star Trek. Yes. <laughs>